And good air. Good job. Amen. Well, the young lady we're going to study today from the scriptures would probably use that as her life song for all he's done. If you're thankful for everything he's done for you, can you say amen? amen. Boy, he's been good. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Ruth, if you would. The book of Ruth. I came across a little phrase this summer that just really touched my heart. And um, I just said, man, I'm preaching this. It's found in Ruth chapter 2 and in verse number 2, but we're going to look at a few verses coming into that. Um, Ruth chapter 1 is where we're going to begin. And I want to just take a moment and I want to thank the college and my pastor for the opportunity to come for seven, eight weeks. I um, know that uh, Marilee and I kind of mess up the schedule here a lot with the classes uh, that we're offering, and it's the only thing that we can do. We believe uh, that God has us doing exactly what we're doing right now. Uh, interesting enough, I didn't think about this till this morning when I was praying for the message, uh, Ruth obviously made a commitment to her mother uh, to take care of her mother, and I'm thinking to myself, that is exactly what Marilee and I are doing right now in our life, especially Marilee with her mother, and um, uh, mom and dad, my in-laws, uh, were in Jewish missions work for over 60 years, 40 of those being in Israel on a kibbutz with Israelis, and uh, dad went home to be with the Lord during COVID, and uh, he's in a much better place. Mom's mind is phenomenal. Uh, but um, she has some definite health problems, and so Marilee um, is taking care of her during these weeks that we're here. One of the other siblings, one of her other children are taking care of mom. But I was kind of interesting, Ruth made a commitment to her mom, her mother-in-law, and we've kind of made that same commitment. Interesting enough, both my parents, my parents, my mom and dad lived with us before they went home to be with the Lord uh, as well, and we believe that's a good thing to do, to take care. Your parents have taken care of you all of your life. It may be a day that you'll take care of your parents uh, as well uh, down, down the road. But I do thank the Lord for West Coast. I thank the Lord for Dr. R and Dr. Getch. There's a lot of things that have to change because we're here, and I do mean that. I really appreciate that, and I thank Pastor uh, very much for the privilege to be here. If we took this seven, eight weeks out of my life, I would be absolutely missing something because we love you college students, and I don't just say that. We're looking forward to the weekend. Uh, tomorrow night, the girls' volleyball, they'll probably get recognized tomorrow, so I won't do that now, but uh, girls' volleyball team will be playing. I think I'm helping out with the barbecue, and uh, Zach, Maggie, I, I got to connect with them and kind of help out with uh, the luau, especially with Brother Bert, uh, having some more uh, important priorities right now, and I'm looking forward to being a part. You make sure that you're at the luau. You make sure you're cheering your eagles on tomorrow night in the volleyball, and just a lot of things. We're uh, merrily and I going to do a little getaway with the Angels game. We're going to go down uh, and spend the night down there in Anaheim and make a bit, just make it a kind of a getaway. Uh, so we're looking forward to the Angels game and everything that we can do. Uh, we're here for you for these seven, eight weeks as well. Ruth chapter one. I don't normally do this, but I just love this passage so much. I'd like to have you stand for the reading of God's word. We're going to jump around a little bit. I'm hoping you know a little bit of the story. 
I want to start at verse number nine because it's very important uh, that we do start there. There's a key word in this verse that's going to be coming a little bit later on. Um, I have entitled the message, I Shall Find Grace. I just love that statement from this young lady uh, who didn't just say, I need grace. She said, I'm going to find grace. And she didn't do that in a, 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 tisha, or in a presumptuous manner at all. I think she was very humble, honest, and helpless. And those, that's the formula to get grace. And, uh, but uh, I just love that she knew what she needed and she knew she was going to get it. Uh, look at verse number 9 of Ruth chapter 1. This would be Naomi, her mother-in-law, saying these words. The Lord grant you that ye may find everyone together. What's the next word? Rest. Rest. We'll talk about that word a little bit later. So mom's saying, go back to Moab and find rest. Take the easy rake, find your safe space, your comfort zone. Each of you in the house of her husband. You need to just marry again. And you need to find your safe space in life and take it easy. You've been a great, you guys have both been great daughters-in-law. And you need to find rest now and take the easy route for the rest of your life. Then she kissed them and they lifted up their voice and wept. Look down at verse 14. Ruth had some other plans. And they lifted up their voice and wept again. I am glad I was not on that road that day. I mean, when you see a woman cry, you don't know what to do as a guy. Having three women bawling, I have no concept what I would do. I would walk way around it, okay? And they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth, everyone together, but Ruth clave onto her. Man, I like that. Uh, There is no Hebrew word for glue. And there is not. There is no Hebrew word for glue in the Old Testament, but this would probably be the closest word that you could come. This is also what Adam and Eve did when they got married. They clave. Uh, But Ruth clave onto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back onto her people and onto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. Go find that rest, that safe space, that comfortable life. And Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. I'm going to college. For whether thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people. And thy God, my God. Where thou diest, will I die. That would be fresh, that would be uh, Greek class. But anyways, where thou diest, will I die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also if but, uh, if aught but death part thee and me. I love verse 18. We'll definitely talk about this in a moment. When she, that would be Naomi, saw that she, that would be Ruth, was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she, Naomi, left speaking unto her. There's no hope. This girl's going back with me. Look at verse 20. And she said unto them, when she gets back to Bethlehem, hey, 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 do not call me, call me not Naomi, pleasant one. Call me Mara, bitter one. For the Almighty El Shaddai hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full 
and the Lord hath brought me, uh, brought me home again. Everyone together, what's the next word? <laughs> I know you're standing, but this is too fun. Can you imagine being Ruth at that moment? She gets back, Naomi gets back to Bethlehem. Oh, I left full. Well, by the way, you didn't leave full because if you left full, you wouldn't have left in the first place. I left full and I have come back. Everyone together? Empty. Yeah, I'm sure Ruth, that was a real encouragement to her, you know. Uh, it's like, well, you, you got me, mom, you know. Did you forget about me? I just think that was really interesting. But anyways, poor Ruth there. But, but it gets good for Ruth, though. Home again empty. Why then call me Naomi? Don't call me pleasant one. Seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the El Shaddai, wait till we look at that, hath afflicted me. So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, and w with her, which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to the house of bread, Bethlehem, in the beginning of barley harvest. So God's going to say, you, you, you don't mock me as El Shaddai. I will nourish you. I will sustain you. Shame on you, Naomi, that you mock my name, El Shaddai. You're coming back at the beginning of barley harvest. Don't worry. The rest of the book, man, is God being El Shaddai to Naomi. But we're going to look at Ruth, so let's look at chapter 2, verse 1. And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. Picture of Jesus Christ. And Ruth, the Moabitess, said unto Naomi, every college student, get this, let me now go to my classes. Let me now go soul winning. Let me now go to West Coast Baptist College. That's all in the Hebrew there. Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight, and everyone together, the title of our message, everyone together, I shall find Okay, that was absolutely terrible, okay? You're not going to find grace with that spirit. All right, here we go. In whose sight, everyone together? And she said unto her, go, girl, go. Go, my daughter. Go get it, man. You are the college student of all college students. Father, I pray today that these students shall find grace. May they believe that there is no greater need that they have while they're here, then your grace, they are never going to make it without your grace. They walk across this platform one day to catch it, uh, to receive a diploma. It will be by one reason. It'll be by the grace of God. Father, it is your grace that we need more than anything else to conquer the sin that we're so besieged with. Father, it is your grace that we need in our room to have the right kind of relationships. It is your grace that we need for every area of our life. May we believe like Ruth, I shall find grace. May we find out how Ruth did it. And God, may we get your grace today. You resist the proud, but you give grace to the humble. So Lord, may we expect to see your grace in our lives this semester. We pray these things in Jesus' name and the greatest student body in all the world said, Amen. you may have a seat. 
I want to talk to you real quickly about God's grace just before three things I want you to see about, um, about Ruth. Number one, what is God's grace? What is it? Well, let me tell you, number one, about God's grace, it is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient for our needs, for our wants, and for our inability. So this item that we're talking about, when we talk about God's grace, it is sufficient. It will never run out. It will never run low, it will never run down, and it will never run dry. It is always perfect, it is always prompt, and it is always plenty. Let me tell you something about God's grace. It is always enough. It is always sufficient. Number two, it is specific. God's grace is always specific. And it's always specific in two areas. It's always specific to the task and it's always specific to the time. Now this is very interesting about God's grace. It's specific for the task. Many of you are familiar with Ephesians 2, 8, 9. If you know it, just go ahead and start saying it with me. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Okay, so that's saving grace. You gotta have grace to be saved. I'm gonna tell you this, pastoring for 25 years, I've been at many a hospice bed. I've been many a hospital bed. When I have seen saints be given dying grace, I'm telling you this right now, there's grace for playing on the girls' volleyball team for the Eagles. There, there's grace for every class and every syllabus that you've taken. One thing about God's grace, it is very specific for the task. Whatever task you have, there is grace that is sufficient for that task. It is a very specific grace. But the other thing that is so cool about grace, this is one of the greatest things you'll ever learn about God's grace, is it's also very specific time-oriented. God's grace is never for our past. And God's grace is never for our future. God's grace is limited. And it's limited to now. You do not get grace for your past. And you do not get grace for your future. You only get grace for now. So going back to Brother Delaney's message on worry. You're going into an area in the future and worrying about something that God's grace hasn't showed up yet. You're worrying about something that God hasn't given you grace for yet. God's grace is only for today, for the task that you're in right now. You cannot live in your past because there's no grace for that. You cannot live in your future for there's no grace for that. The only place that there's grace is in the present. Very important. So God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is specific. Brother Shelley, you really haven't defined it yet. So let me get God's grace is strong. And here's what I mean by strong. It's God's ability given for our good and his glory. Okay. It's God's power. It's God, but I'm going to use the word ability. It's God's ability given for our good and his glory. 
It's an ability that he's given you. When you got saved, he gave you grace. He gave you the ability to believe in Jesus Christ. No matter if you're defeating a sin, if you're struggling with your thought life, whatever it is, if you have depression problems, if you got worry, you need God's grace. And God's grace is the ability to do what you're supposed to do. But not only is that, it's the ability given for our, our good and his glory. But it's also God's provision given to fulfill God's calling in your life. It's not only an ability, it's also a provision. He's given you a provision of his grace so that you can do what he's called you to do. That's where Philippians 4.13 comes into place. I can do all things. What are the all things? The all things is everything God's called you to do through Christ which strengtheneth you. So we see that God's ability given, God's provision, and then God's grace is one more thing. God's grace is God's peace given for our soul not to be anxious, but to rest. Now that word rest is coming up again. This is the kind of rest that Ruth needed. Ruth didn't need the kind of rest to go back to Moab and get a, a, a husband or whatever like that and live happily ever after. Uh, uh, it, that is not the rest that she needed. What we all need is the peace that God gives with his grace. Now, Look at our letters here. God's ability. Ability starts with A. God's provision. Provision starts with P. And God's peace. And P starts with P. That would mean it is a app. It is an app. Now, I did not know this. I don't know if you know this. Do you know what app stands for? Does anyone here know what app? You know, like, how many people got apps on their phone? Okay, that's like every one of us, right? Okay. Does anyone know what app stands for? Yes, my, uh, Malachi. Application. Application. Ooh, I love that. App stands for application. So I have on my phone a McDonald's app. <laughs> I am really not a big McDonald's person, but actually I have an app on my phone because I don't like McDonald's. And you say, what are you talking about? Well, there's times when you travel a lot, you got to go to McDonald's, okay? But I refuse to pay McDonald's prices. So I have McDonald's app, and I never go to McDonald's where I don't use the app and get something free or something. Even if it may not be what I want right now, I'm not paying, I'm getting something free, all right? So I got a McDonald's app. Now when I get the McDonald's app, when you get to the restaurant, it's, the code comes up and you gotta press in the code for it to activate. So God has an app. It's called the Grace app. Everyone together, what's God's app? Grace. You need to now, not on your phone, but you need to right now download the Grace app in your heart, in your soul. And there's a code. Now that code, by the way, the code at the McDonald's changes every day. It's not the same numbers. So you got to use different codes. Sometimes I use Philippians 4.13. Sometimes it's 1 Peter 5.7. Cast your care upon him because he careth for you. Sometimes the code is Psalm 84.11. For the Lord thy God is a sun and shield. He'll give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. I've had the same code a few times with Romans 8.28. has come up a few times. But you, in order to get the grace app, you got to put in the code. And the code will be a promise of God's word and you put that in and you go and you get your grace uh, that you need. You got to download the grace app. Now, 
This is what Ruth does in Ruth, in, in Ruth chapter 2. She downloads the Grace app. So let's get back to Ruth now. Everyone back to chapter number 1. I want you to see three things. I shall find grace. How'd you do that? How did you get to that point, Ruth, where you knew you were going to find grace? I want you to see her culture. I want you to see her commitment. I want you to see her confidence. The first thing about grace is there's got to be a need. And I want you to see the culture that she's in. Now, you're in the book of Ruth. Would you, probably in your Bible, take your Bible and turn back one page. And you should probably be in Judges. Maybe it's two pages or whatever. But turn back a page to Judges 21 and look at the very last verse of the book of Judges. Because this is the culture. By the way, I looked up culture. It's kind of cool. Your, the attitudes and behaviors of a special social group at a certain time. The attitudes and behaviors of a special social group at a given time. Well, this is the attitude and the behavior of the culture that Ruth was brought into. Look at Judges chapter 21 and verse 25. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Okay, so she lived in a culture that was extremely self-centered. It was all about everyone as an individual. It wasn't a team concept at all. It wasn't a God concept at all. It was all about how every person saw life and truth was relative to each person and the way that they thought something was right and just. That's the way it was. That was the culture she lived in. Whoa. You think that's close to the culture we live in today? I don't know of a verse that describes our culture better than every man did that which was right in his own eyes. A very self-centered culture. We're going to find a young lady who didn't live for herself because she got grace. Number two, Ruth had a bitter parent. Whoa, whoa, whoa. She's got a bitter parent. Look at that stuff back in verse 19. So they, so, uh, so they two went until they came to Bethlehem, and it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them. Did you hear? Did you hear? Naomi's back. Naomi's back. And they said, it's this Naomi. It's this Naomi. And verse 20, and she said unto them, call me not Naomi. Call me bitter. Call me Mara. For the... Almighty. That is the title El Shaddai. El Shaddai has to do with nourishing, sustaining, and abundance. She is mocking God right here. She is saying, look at this statement. Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the El Shaddai hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full. And the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call me pleasant one, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the El Shaddai has afflicted. The word afflicted there has the idea of break up, bad, crush, destroy, has afflicted me. He has been no El Shaddai to me. He has been no nourisher, sustainer to me. This God, El Shaddai, has not been, I'm telling you, Ruth's got a bitter parent. 
And I want to tell you this. Some of you have some bitter parents. Some of you have some moms and dads, maybe broken homes like I came from. Ooh, I had a bitter family when I went to Bible college. Man, I'm telling you, man, my mom and dad had a bitter divorce when I was 14 years of age. There are some of you in here that have parents that are really struggling with stuff. The culture that Ruth is going to find grace in was a very self-centered culture. She had a parent that was bitter. Ruth, as a young woman, had experienced incredible amount of loss. She lost her identity. She's a Moabitess, and she's going to marry an Israelite guy? I'm guarantee you she loses her identity as a Moabitess at that point. She lost her husband. She lost her identity. She lost her dreams. She's never going to get married. She's never going to have children. Well, we know the rest of the story. But let me tell you something. Ruth absolutely knew that she loses the opportunity to ever be married again if she goes to Israel, to Bethlehem. She absolutely loses the dream of ever being a mother again. Notice her, her culture. It was a culture of bitterness, a culture of self-centeredness, and a culture of loss. Ruth came from an ungodly nation. Whoa. The Moabites were extremely ungodly, and they had all kinds of sex perversion. By the way, they're descendants from Lot having incest with his daughter in a cave. That's where the Moabites come from. They start off with incest, and the Moabites don't get any better down the road. I want you to see the culture this girl found grace in, because it is the same culture that we live in today. When I was with Eric Getch this, uh, this summer at Joshua Camps, we got talking about the places we've been preaching. And Eric said something that when he said it, I stopped and I thought like, yeah, that has been so true. Eric said, you know, Dr. Shuttler, you know the thing that has just really stirred my heart is the stories of the teenagers that we're preaching to. I mean, every one of them got stories and there is so much stuff going on in their lives. We sat around Pastor Chapel's pool two weeks in a row with the, with the seniors and graduates at Joshua Camp in about 70 to 85 each week. And we sat around that pool and heard testimonies. Dr. R was there one night and heard testimonies. Brother Smithy was there. And I got to tell you, I'm on that pool sitting in a little folding chair and I'm going, wow, these kids are going through it. These kids are, I, can't, I mean, one kid talks about being abused. One kid's talking about their pornography. One kid's talking about their parents and their broken home. One kid's talking, I'm going like, whoa. And I tell you right now in this room, if we started having students stand up and give real testimonies and transparent, we would be amazed at the culture that we're coming from. Now, let me tell you something. Whatever loss you've experienced, Whatever bitterness is in the past, you know what you need is the grace of God. And that's what Ruth finds. Ruth says, I shall find grace. My culture will not be the narrative of my life. My culture is a wicked culture. I live in a society that everybody does that which is right in their own eyes. But I will not be determined by the culture that I come from. And praise God for a woman 
who says, my culture will not determine my life. And every one of you need to stop being victims and start being victors. We are eagles at West Coast Baptist College. We're not chickens and we're not turkeys. We're eagles. So let's start soaring and don't allow the culture around you to dictate what you're going to be by the grace of God overcome the culture that God has you, that you find yourself in. Number two is your commitment. Well, this is the coolest thing in the world. There's three action items here. Look at this for just a moment. We see, first of all, that she, I think there's three things that made her give this commitment. Look at these verses. And Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whether thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God, what a commitment. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be uh, buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death put thee in me. Hey, I've done over 215 weddings, 216 weddings I've performed. I've seen this passage on the bulletins many times of the weddings or the, the handouts or, 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 or whatever. This is like at a marriage kind of commitment. This is like till death do us part kind of commitment. This woman is totally committed. How did she get there? Give me three things real quick. Number one, the courage to come out of her comfort zone. The courage to come out of her comfort zone. I'm gonna tell you what a bitter mom said to her. A bitter mom said to her, you go back to Moab to your safe space. A bitter mom gave her advice. You go back and stay comfortable and convenient the rest of your life. Now, let me tell you something. You will never make the commitment to God that you need to make until you step out of your comfort zone. I want to say this, that you're in this auditorium right now means to some degree you stepped out of your comfort zone to be here. How many of you have never been to California before in your entire life? This is a, the first week. Okay, not a lot, but there's a few of you. Okay. All right. Is there anyone here that never flew on an airplane before? This is the first time they ever flew on an airplane. Okay, Corbin, right? Hey, man, go, go, bud. All right, how was it? Were you okay with it? You came out of your... Uh, he's not even paying attention. That's okay. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> jet lag. Yeah, amen. There you go. Let me, let me tell you all something about my life. Nothing, nothing ever great has ever happened to Jim Shetler that I didn't step out of my comfort zone. Every great thing that has ever happened to Jim Shetler happened when I stepped out of my comfort zone. There has never been an experience of God's grace in my life in a special way when I've stayed in my comfort zone. Brother Shelley, can I ask a question? Yeah, yeah, you can ask a question. Make it quick. I got to get going. Have you ever stepped out of your comfort zone and it was bad? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we call that a risk. We call that a step of faith. I am not telling you that every time I stepped out of my comfort zone, good things happened. But I am telling you, nothing good has ever happened in my life where I didn't step out of my comfort zone. You know what? This girl had courage. This girl says, no, mom. I don't need to go back to Moab to my safe space. I don't need to go back to my community college. No mom, no dad, no friends, no flesh. I need to step out of my comfort zone. 
And I need to have some courage. If you are going to experience, how did she find grace? She had the courage to make a commitment, to step out of her comfort zone. Come on, get involved with your collegian. Come on, get involved with whatever. Some of you have never sold wind before in your entire life. I remember the first time I ever knocked on a door. Man alive, I was scared to death. I didn't know what I was doing. By the way, I still get scared when I knock on doors. Okay, so I'll just tell you that right now. But you got to come out of your comfort zone. I've also led people to Christ at the door too. Not many, but some. I'm glad I went knocking. Let, let me just tell you, you got to have courage. Number two, we got to get going here. Courage to come out of the comfort zone. Two, calling for a higher purpose than herself. Oh, I love this. Calling for a higher purpose than herself. Okay, so last night we got this really cool formula. Passion, or no, 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 last night we got purity, passion, pri- oh, purity, priority, passion, and then the person prospers. Then the person prospers. That formula is exactly what Ruth does here. It is exactly what she lives a clean life because she's got a calling, and her calling is bigger than herself. Now, I want to tell you this. I don't know every heart in here. Of course I don't. But I do believe this. If you came to West Coast, you didn't come to West Coast for yourself. You came to West Coast for what God could do through you in other people's lives. And I just don't know many Christian colleges, Bible colleges that are like the student body here. Guys, you have a higher calling. And your calling is above yourself. Don't live for yourself. Ruth believed she had a higher calling than to go back to Moab and marry some male from Moab and have a few kids. She believed she had a higher calling than that. And you got to believe that too. You press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Young people, college students, there is something greater than this temporal life. There is an eternal life, and you've got to see your calling for a higher purpose. And number three, she had a confession of being all in. Okay, now this is the coolest thing that I never really thought about before. How was she so committed? Well, she got so committed because of the confession that she made. Okay, so you can't go to your mother-in-law and say what you just said and after about three weeks of not finding too much grain in the field, say, you know what, Mom, I think I am going to go back to Moab. You can't do that after you said this. And I thought about this. Every one of us, me too, every one of us need to start giving confession statements of what we're going to do for Christ. No, 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 I, I am here. And I am making a confession statement that by God's grace and for God's glory, I don't know everything that's going to happen, but I'm making a confession statement. I'm staying to the end. I'm making a confession statement that I'm going to be all in on this thing. And you know, that is a great thing to tell people. To make a confession statement to God, to your roommates, to your collegian. Make a confession statement to your classmates. Make a confession statement to your teachers. Make a confession statement to your pastor, if you haven't done it already, and to your parents. No, 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 no. God has called me here, and I am all in. Now, there's one thing you could say about Shetler. 
There's a lot of bad things, but there's one thing you can say about Shetler. 43 years in ministry, 35 of them have been with hundreds and thousands of college students. Over 35 years, there's nobody here that has worked with college students on a daily basis more than me. And I want to tell you a cool thing. I have learned this. I have seen it from every angle. And I'm telling you, this is absolutely true. College students struggle at Bible college until they determine that God has called them there. They struggle. If you leave a door open or unlocked for Satan to get a hold of, he will keep coming through that door every time. And he'll say, you know, this probably isn't the place you're supposed to be. This probably isn't the place. This probably, you know what? You should have just stayed home. You should have, you have got to lock that. No, no, you got to take, they close up the door. There's no door there. There's no door there. There's no window either. You are here. And until you settle that, you will struggle at this place. I have worked with thousands of college students in 43 years. And I am telling you, college students can go into their junior and senior year and they still have never committed to where God's called them. They still haven't locked that door. They still haven't said, no, 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 I'm here. That's it. God's called me here. It's over. Some of you are struggling with that. Did you notice what happened to Naomi? When she, by the way, did you notice? She saw it, not just heard. She saw it in Ruth, like, whoa, Ruth's being in business here, man. Oh, it's 1035. That means we're going to finish this message tomorrow. We're going to finish. I had another message, but we're going to finish. Because I got to tell you, I haven't got to her confidence. And her confidence is like the coolest point at, of, of all. But I want to tell you this. You need to decide today. God, I'm sitting in this seat in the worship center at Lancaster Baptist Church, West Coast Baptist College. God, you've obviously called me here. This is obviously where you have me, Lord. And we need to settle that right now. Because her commitment is so much on her calling, is so much on her courage, and it's so much on her confession. And you ought to make a confession to God. God, I'm here. This is it. This is what you have called me to. I'll tell you this, at least till Christmas time, there ain't nothing happening. This is where God has me. And God, you called me here. I wouldn't be in this seat right now if we didn't. And I'm making a confession. And notice that Naomi stops bothering her after she makes this confession. And I'm going to tell you, your flesh and the devil will stop bothering you as soon as you make your confession, as soon as you say, no, this is it, God. I'm here. I'm all in. Nothing's going to stop me now. This is where you got me. And God and Satan, in the name of Jesus Christ, the door is closed. Flesh, don't you start coming back up again. No. Don't entreat me to leave here. Or return from following after you. For whether thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people. And thy God, my God. Where thou diest, will I die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me. And more also, if aught but death 
part thee and me. 